Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. We are in no position to be able to defend ourselves in any way whatsoever. Ireland is defenseless. Every time that it happens, we have to talk about how the good men feel. Help us. Without G backing us, putting it on the air and telling the people how important it is, then they wouldn't have gone anywhere. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Let me quash a rumour before it even starts, although it probably has already started. No, I was not. Not over in London yesterday at the Queen's funeral. No, I wasn't. I had that day off organised months ago. I did watch a lot of it on the telly and I thought the BBC coverage in particular was fascinating with our own Fergal Keane on commentary duty. Did you notice that? Fergal Keane, he of Cork, uh, was on commentary duty for the BBC at one point on the funeral uh, yesterday. But no, 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 I wasn't over there. <laughs> Morning, 0818969696, the number, the text to WhatsApp is 083-396-9696, the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Thanks to Fiona as well for yesterday. I see this morning where there's a survey says four people out of ten plan on staying away from the pub because of the cost of living. I wouldn't be surprised to be honest. People will stay at home now. They'll buy their drink in the off-license and they'll stay at home and they'll only go out, I think, on special occasions. I couldn't see people traipsing down to the pub every Friday night or every Saturday night like they would always have done. I think if the drink is as dear as it is and the cost of living is as high as it is, they will maybe have a couple of cans at home. We, We learned that, I think, during the pandemic. That, you know, it's not so bad. Load up in the off license and have you a couple of drinks at home and bring friends around. It, it, it's the new staying in is the new going out. Front page of the Echo has a piece this morning. Half of adults planned fewer visits to the pub. This is Donald O'Keefe writing this one. Next to that front page story is a picture of Michael O'Donovan down at the Castle Inn uh, lighting his open fire. Lovely open fire it is too. And he's saying pubs struggling to keep the doors open and the lights on and pay the wages to the staff. I wonder, will you be uh, cutting down on the amount of time you spend in the pub? 
but also every other business seems to be getting hefty bills right now. I know that uh, down around the corner from us here, uh, Willie O'Brien at the Spar on McCourtland Street, uh, you've been getting some fairly hefty bills in the door, as I think have all of your neighbours down there, Willie. It's getting tough, though. Good morning. How are you? Not too bad, good, sir. Good, good, good. It's good. getting rough, though, running a business. Do you know what? It is getting rough. There's no doubt about that. But it's not just me. We, you know, we're all in the same boat. And I, I prefer to adopt the can-do attitude as opposed to woe is me. Um, one thing I find as a person in business, I have to be very careful about what I listen to. Because if I listen to this continual negativity all the time, I, you know, I'll begin to believe it and it'll get into a, you know, a, a frenzy almost. So therefore I find it's important to take control of the situation and be measured in how we approach it and look at what I can do to avoid large bills as opposed to just being blasé-faire and accepting everything that comes in the door. I, I think you know, a time of emergency is a time of action, not a time to be complacent. I see. And I would warmly encourage everybody, all your listeners, to do a, have a can-do attitude and approach to it. And how can I manage the situation as opposed to just blasé, fair, accepting it? Uh, you know, th- this can have a huge impact on, on people's mental health. It's something that we're, yeah. we're quite familiar with, you know, openly discussing these days. Yeah. And we're heading into the winter of time of the year and it's a time maybe when a lot of people can suffer from sad or seasonally adjusted disorder and that kind of thing. So I think it's so important to have, a, a, you know, in a time of emergency, we're all in this together. It's, there's no exceptions. There are no exceptions. So I think maybe heading into the, the depth of winter, uh, which could be a winter of discontent, let's have maybe a more a can-do attitude, uh, an approach of how to escape uh, casualties as opposed to just blasely fair mm. walking ourselves into this. Into so a, so into what a can one do, Willie? I mean, if you take your fine shop down there, your fridges to run, you have a deli to run, they all require energy, heat you have to light the place like what realistically can you do you you have a very good point and trust me it's on my thoughts every day Um, how can one avoid you know having the big bills coming in because my bills have doubled my bills were normally around for my electricity and high usage of electricity were about two and a half two seven per month I'm now going up to the 5,000 per month you know, so it's effectively doubled. Uh, it's quite a hefty bill, but it's not just that bill. Uh, my suppliers, you know, they're using fuel and energy to get here. They have people working for them. They have to be paid because they've got bills too. There's almost the domino effect. So, yes, it is a big challenge, but what I find myself doing is saying, what can I do about it as opposed to just accepting everything blasé-faire? Yeah. You know, like, you know, it's amazing when you go looking what you'll find. Okay. And that's the attitude I'm taking towards it because it's not just myself. It's not just every other business on the street. You know, there's a, a survey out today about people not going to pubs. In actual fact, I would actually encourage people to go to the pub. Like, what is the pub? The pub is a public house. It's a place where the people meet. Mm. It's a place where the people meet and where people can talk. It's important at a time like this that people don't become isolated, that they get out and they can talk and they can vent and get things off their minds or off their mm. chest. You know, you don't have to go out and have 10 pints a night, but you can go out and have a drink. Yes. No problem. And I would warmly encourage it. In actual fact, I have noticed and observed um, here on the street because you know there's, there's a, as I was just saying to Fiona there um, McCurtain Street has become the the, 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 the water <laughs> Washington Street for people over 30 It's <laughs> a great out. social hub in fairness there's a lot going on there Absolutely you know? and I was warmly and strongly encouraged please 
get out and, you know, have a positivity in your life. You know, you don't have to go out and have 20 pints. As I said, you can always go out and have a drink. Mm-hmm. And I would warmly encourage it. It's a, people need to talk. People need support, you know, because when we go into the, you know, back in behind closed doors, you know, that little fellow in your head can get carried away and do yeah. things to people that, you know, that otherwise that may need not happen. And I would warn you to get out. And you're you're right there. But yeah. you see, I think what happens is, and I was reading the story on the front of of the Echo, and I think what it is is that the person who maybe has twenty, thirty, forty quid left over on a Saturday night, mm-hmm. uh, who used to go and have the, the, the couple of pints, they now don't have that money left over, or they're anticipating that <clears throat> come the winter months they won't have it, and that they'd rather put it into eggs and bread. Then into in, you know absolutely I, I I see your point but you know people can go and have a cup of coffee yeah you know I I would warmly encourage people yeah I, I think sometimes there, there can be a frenzy but and if you're continually listening to a thing you know people can become narcotized and they begin to believe it and act accordingly yeah I see your point you know and like, I, who, I, I, who do you accuse of negativity Willie who are you, you mentioned negativity maybe not accusatory but you mentioned there's a lot of negativity out there there is yeah who's, the, the, who's the, the, gen- the general talk the general talk with people like you know even in conversations that, 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 that it's a downbeat conversation you know the cost of living the cost of you know everything has gone up and you know in a sense it, 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 it's, a neg- it's creating a negative vibe and interesting PJ where I would recognise it actually is with the customers right because you can see behaviour that you know people wouldn't in, in a normal calm situation or when there isn't a kind of conflict um, their, their behaviour Behavior is different. But the most recent example of that would be during COVID. Like you know, people would have irrational behaviour. Uh, maybe the people come in, they run around the shop as opposed to walk in and get what they want. You know, or people come to a counter and they're very tetchy and they're going forwards and backwards and forwards and backwards. That's that's actually where I would recognise it. Actually, is the impact it can have. You know, yeah. these these um, uh, going back to something we mentioned earlier in relation to people's mental health. It does impact yeah. on the lives of people, and I, I, I would. That's why I would very much encourage people to have you know, without being in denial. Of of the reality of the situation, I would encourage people, where possible, to do what you can, you know, to yeah. to, to to avoid putting yourself into compromised situations. You know, funny, funny that you should say that now, because I was talking to a business person recently who mm-hmm. said, with the best will in the world, people are very, very cross. Yeah, they have. They have. Yes, that's definitely. I totally agree with that person. Um, there has, there's a certain degree of anger has come into, you know, with people. Uh, not everybody, but certainly it has had an impact. And that's why I think it's so important that we have a can-do, you know, attitude towards this scenario as opposed to, you know, how bad, how bad, how bad. We almost talk ourselves into it. I would prefer, in a sense, we are where we're at, mm. except reality. Now, what can we do to avoid it or get out of the situation? You know, you know, our budget is coming up in a couple of weeks' time, and hopefully that the government will give a beacon of hope to, to all of us, mm. you know, that maybe we can spread the bills, maybe we can, you know, maybe they, they will cut the, the tax, the VAT levies, or, you know, that they will give people that sense of are you, encouragement. Are you, are you hopeful, Willie, that our leaders that are there at the moment, that they get it? Because there is an I would, accusation I, I, I would constantly they do, levelled they at our don't, then they don't. definitely shouldn't be there and they're in denial. I do not want to be in denial. I want to face the facts as they are and let's see what we can do to get out of it and give people a sense of hope, give people a sense of encouragement because it's not just about the cost. It also impacts on the lives of people and how mm-hmm. they think and mm-hmm. what they do. This is a domino effect. It's a complete domino effect. It is not just about the cost. Yeah. Let me put this call just before I let you go, Willie. Yeah. Let, me, let me put this. This has come in. I agree with what Willie is saying, except for he says we're all in this together. We're not. 
a pensioner who's barely scraping by and a government TD on a massive salary are not in the same boat. They don't care about the public or how much we have. They're just concerned about lining their pockets. Well, whatever about the last bit? Take the middle comparison. Someone who's barely scraping by on an average industrial wage or a minimum wage job compared to I a TD. I actually can empathise to a degree with that person because my own mother lived on the pension, um, <clears throat> national pension, and in her latter years I handled her affairs. And by Christ, that was not easy. You know, because you still had to keep the house, you know, heated. You still had to keep it insured. You still had to, you know, pay the household charges, whatever the case may be. You wouldn't be taking too many holidays off it, and you wouldn't be going for too many pints either. So I can relate to that person, and people in that person's situation, above all, need that extra support at a time like this. They need encouragement, they need hope, and they need to know that there's a sense of hope above all else. You know, as I said, we're heading into the winter of the year, the dark time of the year. So, you know, in the darkness, let's give people hope. A last observation made to me over the weekend, a lovely weekend in West Cork. I was chatting to someone down there, and we were talking about how how it might be tough now for the winter. Mm -hmm. And this person said to me, look, we dragged ourselves through two and a half years, of which I spent half of it closed. We can drag ourselves through this as well. Absolutely. And that's why I think people who, especially people who are in, you know, not having a go now by any means, but people who are in the area of communications, give people that sense of can-do, that sense of hope. Mm -hmm. I I think it's so, so important because, you know, it's wall-to-wall, you switch channels, whatever the case may be. Um, You know, if you don't mind, I don't hug your program now, but recently there I was, one morning I was listening to a program on TV and they were discussing the papers and someone, this was about 7, 10 past 7 in the morning, and they were saying, you know, how bad is it going to get? you know the reality of the situation how bad it's going to get and I went oh for I won't take what I thought <laughs> it began with F and it finished with sake <laughs> I said yeah. you know imagine 10 past 7 in the morning <clears throat> I haven't crossed the door yet and here I am with this kind of little woody woodpecker knack on my head with this negative thing and I'm yeah. just saying no no I refuse look it is what it is what can I do that person who, who, who texted in you know they are right and those people in particular need that extra support yeah. people who are on, on back to work schemes or people who are unemployed or uh, disabilities whatever the case may be protect our vulnerable people most definitely um, but please adapt uh, you know a can do attitude and give people that sense of hope especially going heading into the darkness or the darkness of the year and give people hope Willie Great contribution to start the week. Thank you <clears throat> very much. Willie O'Brien from the Spar down on McCourton Street on the opinion line this morning. Yeah, it's bad, but, but let's keep a sense of perspective and let's think about what we can do rather than what we want others to do for us. Dennis, morning. Uh, PJ. Hi, what did you want to say, Dennis? Yes, PJ. What I would like to say is let's take this out of the hands of the politicians and EUs. And what I'm suggesting is that people look at their last year's bill and pay that amount. You have to pay. We're not saying that we're being robbed at the minute. So look at last year's bill, pay that amount. And if if a vast amount of people did it, now we're taking action into our own hands. We're not waiting for these idiots or politicians to try and come up with giving you 200 euros or something. So if, for example, your gas bill, and let's just pluck a figure out of the air, let's imagine your gas bill at the end of last September was €100 euro, and at the end of this September yes. is €200. Euro. Yes. Give them 100 That's right. Great now, idea, but there's, there's a problem, Dennis. Yes. They'll come Go after ahead. you for the 100 That's right. Now, for the, they, first of all, they can't cut you off. And secondly, they would have to bring you into court. And then it goes on the thing that, is this a fair and reasonable bill? The justice won't rule against you. 
and then they well, have that's to kind of, I wouldn't be so sure about that now, but I well, see I see your point. If, if you're making a reasonable contribution yes. based on your ability to pay, they Correct. can't cut you off. They can't cut you off. Now, there's people at home, pensioners and everything, and I would say that they're worried now. They're worried sick. Can they get through this winter? Well, I'm saying don't worry. Get your last year's bill, which you paid, yeah. and pay the same amount this year. And we'll see then what Europe and the ministers will do at the end of the end game. But you are now heated and you still have your light on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll still have a debt hanging over you at the end of it all. Well, we'll see about that. We'll see about that. I don't think that debt will be dealt with. It'll be wiped away because they're robbing the people. So that's what I'm advocating. But you see, the fact is that the Irish people are not militant enough. If we were like the French or some crowd well, like well, that. Yeah, no. I mean, I have people have been saying that for the last couple of weeks. Like, the French just wouldn't stick this. They'd stop the country. And as a result of which, and I may be wrong, and Ferg will correct me in a flash if I am, I think of all the EU countries, of all our EU friends, nobody, no government is is doing more for its people than the French right now. Not- that's right. And anyway, PJ, that's my little two-pence good, worth. Good thinking. Dennis, yep. thank you. Good man. And thank you, too. Bye-bye. Thank you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. So Dennis's idea is, if your gas bill or your lecky bill this time last year was, for argument's sake, 150 quid. So you get a bill in this time last year, 150 euro, right? And you paid it. And at this time or this year, it's 300 quid. Give him 150. He's right that they can't actually cut you off if you are paying a decent amount off the bill. You'll still have a debt. Now, he reckons the debt will be wiped out eventually. I can't say he's right or wrong there. Yeah, France. Uh, of all our EU neighbours and friends, there's no country doing more to take the burden of energy bills off its people than France. 0818-969696. Kevin says, imagine your bills have doubled, but your income is exactly the same. Matt says, Matt's. How many people would do what Dennis is suggesting, though? Just pay them what you paid them last year. You can easily find that out online. And what about Willie's contribution? Fine, positive contribution, first thing on a Tuesday morning. Look, it's bad, but let's figure what we can do rather than, God, it's terrible, God, it's awful, God, it's all negative all the time. What can we do to drag ourselves through it? Because we dragged ourselves through covid 0818 969696. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96FM. St. Luke's Home will mark its 150th anniversary with a fundraising golf classic at Foda Island Golf Resort on Wednesday, the 21st of September. St. Luke's Home provides residential care to older people and specialises in dementia care. The golf classic aims to raise vital funds for the Mahan based charity. Teams of three are invited to book a place by email mailing info at stlukeshome.ie If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie The Cork Diary With Tusla Fostering Now seeking foster carers from a diverse range of backgrounds in Cork See fostering.ie On Cork's 96fm Can we just talk the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 83 On Quartz 96FM. Of course, in response to Dennis <coughs> Commenter saying, well, okay, I'll try that. So with the point or the groceries or the diesel or the petrol, see how far that'll get me. It's just what Dennis was saying. Pay them for the electricity like you paid it last year and they can't... 
Your thoughts are welcome. On um, Mick from, or Willie rather, from uh, the Spar, what a breath of fresh air that man is from the supermarket. He has a fabulous positive attitude. He'd be great to do an upbeat pep talk every week. Just what we need right now. That's from Magella. Thanks, Magella. 0818 96 96 96. Now, for the last couple of weeks, we have been following the story of this damaged key wall down near the Southgate Bridge. And over the weekend, Cork Bio had some good photographs of the extent of it right now. They had one particular one that looked really scary. And it looks as if the hole under the wall or under the car park there is getting bigger. And you'd look at it, you think, Christ, what happens if we get a big storm in November? What happens if we get a flood release from the dam and nothing's been done with that wall? You can't bear thinking about what might happen. Uh, I don't have the WhatsApp, um, Fiona, this morning, just so far I can't get it. Dan Boyle, are you there? No, I don't have it. Get that on the, on the phone, I'd say. Uh, it's not coming up on my end here. But the down the South Parish, there's been a lot of concern expressed about stuff collapsing and that big hole under the car park, the city car park, seems to be getting bigger. Uh, Kieran McCarthy, who was on the show with me a couple of times there recently, said he asked the council what's happening and the answer was kind of half an answer. Dan Boyle, do we have to wait for a storm or a flood release from the dam and for half the car park to fall into the river before something's done? Good morning. Morning, uh, BJ. Uh, well, it, the hole is becoming ever more gaping. It, it's a standoff, uh, and uh, the the owners of the site are, are, are not as of yet uh, repairing the wall, uh, and the city council is insisting they do. Um, the city council does have a legal power uh, on, under an act called the Local Government Sanitary Services Act of '64 uh, that they. They can do the repairs and bill the owner, uh, but that seems to be the last resort they want to do. The the first responsibility the city council has is is to make sure a site is secure. So that that same legislation they can use for a dangerous building or any dangerous structure such as a wall. That usually involves putting scaffolding around it, making sure that materials don't fall and hit people on the street. The immediate concern here is is the structure of the Southgate Bridge. Would they seem satisfied with? that it isn't uh, being threatened. But the longer the hole is there, the deeper it gets, the, the more the foundations of the bridge itself come into question. So uh, I, I keep arguing that it's something that we should be repairing instantly rather than have it face down legally and, and make sure that the uh, the owners of the car park fix it. Yeah, you, you, you don't need me to remind you, Dan, about November of 2009. Yeah, well, I, I and, and we, if we had yeah. another one of those, and we're only what six weeks away from November, if we had a November like we had in two thousand and nine, and we had to have a release of water from the dam, and had storms, and you yourself, as an environmentalist, Dan, you you're always saying to us, we're getting more frequent storms in the winter time now. Like, it doesn't bear thinking what would happen if you had a two thousand and nine situation crashing into that hole. Yeah, and I, I think that's one of the reasons why the, the repairs aren't being done immediately as they should be, because there's a kind of a sense that the, the OPW will be putting in a flood relief scheme 
controversial as that is and, and elements of it that I find unacceptable. But what, what we're also seeing in the meantime, PJ, is that the, there are smaller holes appearing on other keys. There's a, there's a, a hole on French's key on the other side of Soundgate Bridge. There's two holes on Lancaster key uh, at the next available bridge. Uh, and that shows that we need to have a, a survey as regards the strength of the city key walls around the place and, and have a strategy and resources provided for it to make sure that these these holes don't keep appearing and that the the, the structural foundations of the city centre itself aren't threatened. Yeah. All right, Dan, thank you. Dan Boyle, <coughs> um, Councillor Dan Boyle of the Green Party. Let us not be sitting here. Keep the tape. What is this? The 20, 20th of September. Let us not be sitting here in late November or December or January. But November is the one that comes to mind. Let us not be sitting here some morning wondering why half of the city car park has fallen into the, into the River Lee. Let us please not have that happen. 0818 96 96 96. Listen, you talk about the other half and how they live. See Gavin Riley from Virgin Media, political correspondent, tweeting this morning. Now, we know that there's change in the pension stuff going through Cabinet today. Um, 66, you'll get a pension, and if you work away till 70, you get a bigger pension. That's all going to go through today. Something else that's going through today, according to Gavin's Twitter from an hour or two ago, all members of the Cabinet are to get their state cars back. Uh, in 2011... The cabinet decided to change it so that only the Taoiseach, Tonishta and Ministers for Justice, President, etc., and a couple more of them, had a state car. Everybody else had to get their own car, but they were given drivers. So you could kind of hold on to your own Ford Fiesta and keep, keep, have your driver and all that. Now, they're all getting a state car. It's going to be signed off on this morning. It would appear the reason is security. It would appear that the Commissioner, Drew Harris, has raised concerns about security and safety of individual ministers in these turbulent times. So it'll be decided today, it'll be signed off on today, all government ministers are to get their cars back. Dennis's suggestion on paying your utilities what you were paying them this time last year. And he says they can't cut you off if you're at least paying that much. He, he has a point, but Mary raises another very good point. The majority of people are now paying bills by direct debit because you get a reduction for it. So I'm not sure how you can then reduce the amount that you pay. And it's true, Mary, if you sign up with a deal like Bonkers or Switcher or some one of those, you do get an additional couple of quid off if you go direct debit. So you're right there. And the direct debit, the one drawback to direct debit is it takes the whole lot on the due date. That's true. Kevin says, imagine your bills have doubled, but your income is exactly the same. Someone else says, looks like a lot of pubs now are well and truly in trouble. And it doesn't surprise me. As a business, they're generally run by bad business people. Not all, but most. And by the way, there's too many of them, uh, all in small areas like towns and stuff. That's what this winter will do. Call the herd across all sorts of businesses. That's a bit harsh. We have a small population that can only serve a small number of each local small business type. For years, there were too many people trying to make a living from the same things. Not not enough to go around a market this size. It's a strange attitude. 
So you're saying in a village, pick a village like, I don't know, pick a town like Carrigaline or a place like Ballincollig or wherever, or go down west and pick a, a village like Drimaleague or wherever, that you let it rip, you let the economic process rip, and the businesses that are strong enough to survive will survive, and all the other ones will be culled, be they pubs or shops or whatever. <sighs> Bit of economic carnage going on there. 0818-969696. Now, yesterday, we got an email uh, from Francis, who was upset about her daughter's first few days, her granddaughter's first few days in school. She sent us an email about what happened, but she also spoke to Fiona. Son. Samba. A superstar. Ladies and gentlemen. And you. The next big way to win is coming. On Cork's 96FM. Francis, you've been in touch with us today on the opinion line because there was an issue regarding your granddaughter who only started school two and a half weeks ago. That's correct. What exactly yeah. happened? <clears throat> when my uh, daughter went to pick her up on Friday, she was called in by the teacher. And the teacher kind of um, said, did she get her physically checked out? because she couldn't skip in school that day and she could, her running isn't great. And the, she said oh, that she couldn't open her lunchbox or she'd get somebody to open her lunchbox for her. But the little girl would because she had no problem opening the lunchbox mm. in the back of the car to finish her lunch, you know, when we were picking her up. So she, that wasn't really an issue. And... Um, she said she wasn't playing with her peers. She was playing with the older girls, um, which, to be honest, I suppose maybe the younger ones didn't appeal to her. The older ones would, because mm-hmm. she's used to older children being around, and that's who she'd be playing with, you know, at home, you know, mm-hmm. out in the street, or if she goes over to her cousins. And she asked her, and does she have a dodie? And my daughter said to her, did she ask her a dodie in school? No, no. She said, but I heard her asking when she was leaving. Mm. Um, and she did ask me, all right, one day last week about a dodie. Now, she would have a dodie going to bed, mm. but not during the day. Um, unless she'd swipe it from somewhere. But other than that, no. And, like, the principal was playing with the child while the teacher was talking to my daughter. And the principal said, she's excellent at her numbers excellent at her sound and she's very very good with her Irish like she's only two and a half weeks in school so do you think that there's too much of a focus now on other things like they're already two and a half weeks in people are getting to like the teachers are getting to know the kids personalities the kids are getting to know their own personalities themselves it's a whole different environment she might have been a little bit intimidated by you know the classroom setting and she feels that she's been minded by the older kids so do you think that there's just been too much of a focus on on this I do and I think like as I said if, if you started a new job and two, two weeks in, you know, you still wouldn't know everything there is to know. Mm. And you'd be still finding your feet. And I was thinking, like, if they, this was said at Christmas, I'd, I'd understand it better. But mm. after just two and a half weeks, 
I thought it was just ridiculous. Do you know? And plus, as I said this morning, um, when my daughter rang me after she'd taken her to school and when the children came up to her like they would normally in the morning going up, the child just ignored them and went straight into school because that's what her mother and father told her to do. And she will do it. She does the what the TS teacher was saying she doesn't do in class. She does at home. I think like with the teacher, she was probably concerned that she wasn't mixing with her peers. But do you think that um, and, you know, and, and rightly so, um, she wants her to mix with her her yeah. classmates. But do you think that by putting a focus now on not talking to the children that she was talking to, it's kind of confusing for a four and a half year old and they're not really sure who they're supposed to be playing with? Because it, it, it was, her, I suppose, hurtful for that child as well, that she just blanked her this morning. Hmm. And, you know, it's putting um, like stigmas on, a, on it, you know, like, mm-hmm. if you get much what I mean, like they're putting a stigma on the older children that she shouldn't be playing with or that she shouldn't be interacting with. And I think that's just wrong, you know. Mm-hmm. She should be, like, I had four children myself and they all went to a country school and there was mixed classes and my youngest fella, he was coming home and he was, li- after listening to the older classes, and he was flying it. And if you're going to stop them from interacting with the others, they're not going to learn, you know, they're, you're going to restrict them, if you know mm. what I mean, to their own weekly class. And you know now at that age, they're they're like little, they soak up everything they hear. Mm. I know, yeah. So, and Francis, you got in touch with us because you wanted to know if there are, like, has this happened in any other school or are yeah. the parents who kind of have gone through something similar? Exactly, because I know I was listening to PJ, uh, was it two weeks ago? And they were on about it and they were saying that um, they prefer that the child be social rather than knowing, we'll say, their ABCs or their one, mm. two, threes or whatever. They want them to be social. And like, this was her being social, if mm. you think me. And mm. um, I just thought, you know, these are little innocent children going into school and they're kind of being rather than letting them express themselves. Yeah. If you get me. And when, kind of when she said that, um, like, you know, obviously we were talking there about the um, socialising with the older children rather than our classmates, but also yeah. you, spoke, you spoke there at the start about um, how the teacher had said to her that she couldn't skip at this stage or she wasn't able to run properly. Like, was that a concern before she went to school? Had her parents ever kind of no. been concerned about that? No. No. Because she has had checkups, but my daughter now is after booking in with the, her GP to to discuss it because she was saying maybe you know when you see somebody all the time, mm. you don't you wouldn't see it yourself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Now uh, what I noticed myself when I uh, it was her coordination has come on in leaps and bounds mm. that she was out in the back garden kicking a football that she wouldn't do before but I reckon it was because she was playing football with the others mm-hmm. you know and watching but um, her coordination has come on very well mm. you know and she'll throw things in the air now and she's able to catch them coming down and you know So do you think that this this conversation between the teacher and your daughter, the the child's mother, that it's um, after bringing about a lot of unnecessary stress for the mum? Yes. Hmm. And I think it's it's like they were trying to 
say it to the child without saying it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Without saying the teacher said, you know. Whereas you think um, that if they had had this conversation at Christmas time, then there may, it may have been warranted, but like two and a half weeks into the school, into the yeah, school year. Exactly. Mm. She's still only finding her feet. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just okay. thought it was. We'll we'll see if anybody else has had any kind of similar experiences and is this kind of is this normal for schools to be worried at this time, like two and a half weeks in, if the child is not running as fast as they should be, or as you say, you know, should you know should they have just been kind of saying, well, she's been doing really well in her reading and her numbers, and should that be the focus for now? Yeah, okay. That's what I think anyway, and like she's not overweight or anything. Mm. Like if she was overweight, I'd say something. But she's mm. not. But and she she's just, a happy child. She is. She's always laughing and smiling. Mm. And, you know, you get no rest with her because she's just full on. You know. I know. I get no rest with any of them, Francis. Of <laughs> <laughs> All right. Listen, we'll put it out there to our listeners and see what people think. And, um, and thank you very much for talking to me. There you go. That's uh, Fiona talking to Francis. Anyone else had an experience like that with the new youngster at school? And she's right, that conversation we had a couple of weeks ago where some teachers would prefer the children to be able to do little things for themselves rather than do their ABCs. 0818969696. Yesterday morning, Fiona was talking to Michael Gearan from Ruri about this Health Research Board study that found that people are in denial about the amount of drinking they do in this country. Uh, and Michael had uh, some interesting points on it. And while Michael was talking to us, uh, Camille, you rang the opinion line yesterday about this. Uh, good morning. Good morning, TJ. Hi, how are you? Hi. You say you're a recovering addict? I am, yes. Yes. Okay. And how long has it been now since you um, you clean? Well, I've been in recovery a few years. Uh, good man. Four years I had uh, two relapses since then. Well, I'm clean today. It's just for today for me, and uh, and I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Good man, good man. So what what do you have to say about this survey? Do you think do you right. agree with it? Uh, well, no. I was just listening to this yesterday, and I said I have few thoughts on this. Right. So yes, I agree with uh, with Michael that a lot of people are in denial. That's number one. And my own private thoughts, like personal uh, thoughts on this, is if uh, it's a lot of talking uh, about uh, problem itself uh, uh, re- uh, rather than talk- we-, we could be talking about solution. And in my opinion, solution in this case will be to. Uh, to uh, educate uh, kids, teenagers uh, particularly, uh, you know, maybe, I'm not sure about the age, maybe 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. There should be more awareness uh, in schools, I think. And, and I tell you why, uh, if I can. Yes. That's because when I, when I analyze my own addiction, uh, I came to the conclusion that when I was young, you know, I didn't know how to deal with reality, how, how to deal with the feelings, emotions at that time and and I turn into alcohol and drugs you know and I think it's crucial to stop this vicious cycle to go back to the roots to go back to the source where it all starts for a lot of people mm. well it started for me what age you know? were you when you started Camille? well I picked up my first drink when I was maybe 12 or 13 I'm not even sure now but about that age okay, okay. Yeah. and when you think back now do do you without you don't have to go into whole pile of detail if you want. When you think back now, do you know why you did that? 
Well, as I said now, I didn't know how to deal with reality. My father uh, is alcoholic. He's in recovery now as well with me. Well, you know, he's in recovery. And then, you know, I didn't know how to cope with this. I wasn't aware that, you know, uh, about my feelings, about anger, resentment, fear. And I was running away from those feelings, if you know what I mean. Uh, there wasn't uh, enough in school about that if you know what I mean. And, and that, was my main, uh, that was my main reason I, I picked up the drink, because I felt lonely, I felt resentful, and I didn't know how to, how to release those feelings, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So that's my own personal experience. I guess everyone's different, like, you know, but I think that's valid, I, because, I, you know, I do go to the meetings, I'm in the therapy, and I hear this a lot. You know, and that's why I think that it, it, you know, if the if the system, educational system, could be, you know, uh, have a look at this, it would be very helpful in the long run. Right. You so know? you're saying, Camille, that it's hard to be a teenager, and sometimes when it gets very hard, teenagers turn to alcohol. Well, basically, yes. The kids, the teenagers are very vulnerable. They don't know anything about life. They don't know about themselves. They don't know about reality. And they have to face a lot of challenges, you know. Uh, and that was me. And, uh, and uh, you know, and I turned into alcohol. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yes. How yes. quickly, you say you took your first drink or so when you were 12 or 13. How quickly before you developed a problem? Well, it was very quickly. I enjoy it. It was my uh, it was my runaway thing, and it took another two three years for this addiction, for this disease to progress to uh, to drugs, which was uh, you know I won't be mentioning them now, but you know it was it was very it was progressing very quickly. So by the age let's say eighteen, I was uh, I was a full blown addict. Drink hand drugs. Well, yes, yes. Well, I do not distinguish this. I think that uh, medicine could be a drug. Uh, uh, alcohol obviously is for me now and, and, and other stuff. So any kind of chemical substance that changes the mind, it, 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 is, it, yeah. it is the same for me. That's, yeah. yeah. I, I might bring you back for another couple of minutes after the news, Camilla, because I want to talk to you a little bit about that. But here's something to maybe think about and maybe we'll bring the question up. If I had a personal opinion, it's that we constantly tell kids about drugs. Don't try this drug. Don't do that drug. Here's the danger of this drug. Here's the danger of that drug. But you oh. just made a very solid point. Alcohol is also a drug and we, we, we treat them separately. So if we're talking to the kids about cannabis and cocaine and ecstasy and all those things, we might forget to talk to them about alcohol. Will you have a think about that for me and come back and we'll talk a bit more after the news? Sure, TJ. Thank you. Thanks, Camille. Play it on repeat. Or time to delete. An absolute belter. Or a total head melter. Sing in the shower. Or turn off the power. Right now. Choose the music on Cork's 96 FM for the chance to win 1,000 euro. 1,000 euro. Boom, 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 like that. Have your say on the Munster Music Survey. And the cash could be yours. Go to 96FM.ie right now. Click the survey link and tell us what you think. Right now. The Monster Music Survey. Do it today. And you could win 1,000 euro. Win 1,000 euro. Boom, 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 like that. See 96fm.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 
0818 The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. Yeah, just some responses into those uh, cars, ministerial cars being restored. Uh, Not as much anger out there as you might expect. And Kevin and indeed Mag's making the point, well, if you look at what the guards had to put up with last night in Cherry Orchard in Dublin, uh, being rammed off the road by thugs in what's basically a family car, most squad cars are just overblown family cars in this country with the exception of a few of them and then translate that back into the anger towards government politicians, politicians of all hue at the moment you meet see two, was it two TDs last week, accosted and attacked and shouted at and terrorised I would say outside of Leinster House last weekend by a small bunch of thugs you, you could see why the Garda Commissioner would have security concerns about certain politicians. Your thoughts welcome on that and anything else that's in the news today. At 0818 96 96 96. Speaking before 10 with Camille. Camille contacted us yesterday when uh, Fiona was talking to Michael Gearan about a survey from the Health Research Board that said many Irish people are in denial about their drinking habits and Camille's been telling me how he took his first drink at the age of 12 or 13 and had a serious addiction problem by his late teens and during the news Camille I was saying to you maybe think about that idea that you said to me you consider alcohol to be just another drug is that a mistake we're maybe making with younger people that we do separate the two in our conversation because one is obviously legal and available everywhere hello again yeah, hi. Yeah, I'm still here. Yep. Uh, so, well, I as, I as I was saying before, now for me, it doesn't make a difference. It, it, if it's if it's legal, it doesn't mean that it's not harmful. Yeah. Like it, it, there was time that it wasn't it wasn't legal, you know. And and you know, I don't think. It, well, I won't go there. Like there should be legal, shouldn't be like. But uh, you know, I I the consequences the of of drinking are are very visible. You know, uh, so yeah, I uh, I agree that a lot of people are in denial, and uh, you know, I was I was for a long time. I thought that if you know, if I'm if I'm providing for the family, and if I only go out uh, on the weekends, that I'm uh, you know that that that's fine. But I I, I didn't look up I didn't look at the the consequences. Uh, you know, you, you say that you were uh, an addict, full blown addict, as it were, in your late teens. Life yeah. must have been difficult. Well, yes, it was. It was very difficult, you know. I but uh, I came across uh, NA uh, at that time, uh, and that was twenty few years ago, twenty two years ago. And since then, that I came across uh, the, the spiritual program of NA, uh, my using wasn't the same. So at the back of my head, there was there was a feeling that I, there was awareness that I'm doing something wrong and I can do better and there is a way. And that feeling stayed with me uh, for another 10 or 12 years of using, right? But using wasn't comfortable at that time. And and, and then, again, I came across NA and since then, I can say I'm on the right track, if you know what I mean. Indeed. Like, how bad did it get in terms of your health, though, before you discovered NA, before you went to NA? Well, uh, 
Well, it, it, it was very bad, you know. I was physically addicted. Uh, I, I couldn't stop. I Well, I thought I couldn't stop. And, uh, you know, uh, when I tried to stop, I, I, I was in pain. There was there was different different drugs involved. I won't be going into details, sure, but, sure. you know, uh, but, but alcohol was one of them. Alcohol was a getaway uh, drug for me. Uh, so, uh, you know, it was socially acceptable at that time and, and no one said nothing. And, 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 and I started with alcohol, but then it, it, it opened, op- that opened the gate to other things, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And when you started the first time to try and, and break the habit by going to something like NA, how hard was that? Well, it, it was it was very hard. That's because number one, as you as you said, denial, denial. I didn't know actually what 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 I was doing. Uh, I didn't want to admit it. I was I was in denial, and it was very difficult physically, mentally, spiritually. You know, and um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it took it took. Uh, I could say it took twenty years of struggle wow. for me to get. Where I'm, where I, where I am today. Brilliant. Clean, sober, and with some hope. Good lad. Was it, was it hard for you to keep jobs? Was it hard for you to keep relationships? Well, of course it was. There was, there, there are many consequences of addiction. You know, uh, one of them was uh, I, I wasn't reliable. Uh, I wasn't uh, taking responsibility for myself, and uh, you know, it, it, it was, it was very difficult. To uh, to um, to live in society, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And you're clean and sober now. It's quite a long time. Well, uh, as I said, now I'm I'm in the program a good few years, but I had I I do I did sl- slip slip uh, yeah. uh, twice, uh, but that didn't uh, that didn't I I didn't stay there. I kept you know. on moving. I kept on going. I didn't give up uh, on myself and, you know, on uh, And on that's life. something, Camille, that I think people don't talk about enough who go through a life like you have and who find a program and work with the program. You know, it's okay to slip and you can go back to the program and say, I slipped and they'll put an arm around you and help that's- you through. Am I right there? That's right. That's right. It takes some courage. Uh, it takes uh, you have to be humble enough to do this. But but I did it. And and anyone that you know uh, listen to this now and and struggling and stuff like you know, uh, you can always ask for help. That's 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 the main thing. That for me, it saved my life. I could say like for me, it was it was a, a death life situation. You know. And come right back to where we started and I'm thinking about parents of, of teenagers, 12, 13, 14 year olds mm. and, and they might be fearful that their kids are experimenting. Um, what what yes. would you say? Well, I, I, I agree. Like I, my son is, 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 is nine, like, right? And I am fearful myself. Uh, what I would say is uh, we need to focus on prevention. We need to be honest with them. We need to talk to them. Uh, we, we, we need to uh, talk about uh, uh, consequences. We need to talk about our feelings. And we need to educate them at home as well as in school. You know, I think it's crucial. Uh, prevention more than dealing with the consequences. Mm. Uh, focusing on the solution, you know, and, and that's where it all starts. So, like, I, I like 
you know, what I'm trying to do with my with my small fella is to, is to well, I'm not talking to, well, I mentioned a few times addiction and stuff like that, right? <laughs> but I think it's too early. But I, but I think it's just honesty, open-mindedness there, uh, 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 those spiritual principles need to be applied to, you know, to family, uh, to the relationships with, with, with kids. And Camille, lastly, as a, as a daddy who's been through it all, um, how important is it that we send a message to our children from as young as they're able to understand it, that well, there is nothing they can't bring to us? Nothing. Right. Well, uh, I, 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 I should say I, my, my wife is teaching me this. Hmm. Uh, she, she can feel it. She, uh, she, um, she's been honest. Uh, she, uh, she talks to a fella. She's been open to him, listen to him, and, and be there for him. You know, that's, uh, I think that, that's the only way, like, you know, to, to show that love, to show that, you know, uh, empathize with them. It, you know, I'm missing a few words here now, right? But, like, basically what I'm saying is I, I, uh, being there for them, being honest, and, and, and um, yeah, yeah, things like this. You know what, Camille, you're a great fella. Great talking to you. Thank you very much for getting in contact with the opinion line. That's Camille. Uh, took his first drink at 12.13, fully blown addiction by his late teens, carried on for years, discovered uh, Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, went to that, tried it first time, fell off the wagon, went back a second time, and lives day to day now. But he's been clean and sober for quite some time. Good lad, good lad. And he has a nine-year-old, and he's trying to teach him and put him on the right path. Thank you, Camille. 0818 96 96 96. Just on those Christmas light story in the news. Yeah, they've all been LEDs for years. They don't use half as much energy. But there isn't any need, I would think, in 2022, in the light of the current situation, there isn't any real need for them to be on at four in the morning. So it would be okay, wouldn't it, if they just turned everything off late at night this year? But we still have to... I, 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 couldn't imagine the city without Christmas lights, could you? 0818 96 96 96. The comment earlier on talking about winter being a shakedown went down like a lead balloon. I'd like to add to what the person said. One has to factor in customer changing habits which have to be catered for. Pubs could do this, but many pub owners aren't good at it. You often hear from pub owners, it's a pub, I don't want to be a restaurant as well. That's just not good enough. People live differently now, and it's time to change with the times. Well, it kind of went down with a lead balloon. I, I'd hate the idea of just letting economic hardship rip through a community and the strong survive. I, I don't like that mentality, because if you have a pub closes or a shop closes, then that's jobs gone, that's livelihoods gone, that's empty larders, that's cold children because they can't heat the house. You have to consider that too, as well as the economics of it. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Can we just talk? The opinion line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six on Courts ninety six FM. There's an interesting thought come in on the minimum wage and increasing the minimum wage. I get to it in a while. It's an interesting take, though. So it is. 0818 Can I also say hello and good morning? And it's very early morning in a place called Sioux Falls. Sioux Falls in South Dakota. And that is the home 
of Opinion Line listener John McLaughlin. Corkman, of course. And he says the show keeps him in touch with home and he listens every day. He sends a lovely photograph of a place called Tuthill Park, which is near his home in Sioux Falls. He's got family in Ballancolig and in Cove and listens regularly to keep in touch with what's happening on Leaside. That's John McLaughlin in Sioux Falls in South Dakota, an opinion line listener. Good to hear from you, John. And thank you for the lovely photographs. 0818 96 96 96. Now, has anybody listening to me ever used a doula? Ever had a doula with them when they were having a baby? Now, I would be, I would not know a doula if they walked in the door here and hit me a slap across my chops. So I don't know the first thing. So this is a voyage of learning for me. Uh, Jackie, Jackie Beamish is a doula. What is a doula, Jackie? Morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, so a doula is um, a trained non-medical person who offers um, emotional, informational and physical support to families who are pregnant or having their baby or in the postpartum period as well. Okay. Now, there is, there is lots of other doulas as well, but I know we're going to talk specifically about the, the pregnancy and, and welcoming a new baby site as well. Right. Um, so essentially for for families that are pregnant and expecting a baby we um, once they book in with us they can ring us if they have any questions if they're worried about anything um, if they need more information um, we oftentimes if they've had a, a previous experience that was quite traumatic we might de- debrief that with them and work through any emotional issues um, we just build up the relationship and get to know them Mm. Um, we talk through um, different methods of feeding the baby after they arrive, um, comfort measures for early labour, um, different types of pain relief that will be available, um, all kinds of things like that. Um, mm. What you know, what to expect with regards to sleep after your new baby arrives, how to care for your new baby, um, what supports would be good to put in place, um, and how to prepare, how to pack your hospital bag. So there's a lot that we cover, lots that we cover. Mm. Um, and then we would be on call then for the labour and we do um, in-person labour support um, for the person who's giving birth and, and their partner if they have one. Um, so it's not just for the person giving birth, it's also for any any birth partner that they have with them as well. Um, and we stay throughout the labour until the baby arrives, help with the first feed, make sure everyone's had some food and is, you know, settled before we go away. And then... So we would give postpartum support as well. So over this kind of first six weeks, offer again information, and it's it's non-biased. It's it's evidence-based information. It's not our opinion. It's not what we would do. It's giving them all the information and supporting them in whatever decision they decide to make. That's right for their family and yeah. their journey. Sounds to me like you know when someone is pregnant, they can yeah. get pamphlets and they can get books and they can get leaflets and they can get this and that and the other and videos and you name it, they're out there, tens of thousands of them. It sounds to me yeah. like a doula is someone who actually has all this in their head or to their Absolutely. fingertips yeah. and, and, and can supply it in a more personal way. Is that a good sum it, up? That's, that's exactly it. And it's, it's about building up that relationship and having somebody there that you know is trained, that is somebody that's a familiar face that you trust. Um, because I don't know um, how many people are aware, but if you go into the hospital, most of the time you're meeting strangers and it's very hard when you're in that vulnerable position of giving birth to really trust and and know that they're doing the best for you. Um, obviously, medically they are, but um, 
from an emotional point of view, it's it's it, the evidence is there that having a doula and having somebody in the room that that's trained and that you trust and have a relationship built up, it reduces the risk of um, interventions in your labour. It reduces the risk of severe infection. Um, it decreases the risk of postpartum depression. It increases um, the percentage of, of successful breastfeeding rates. Yeah. So the evidence is there for for doula support, but that's you, you hit the nail on the head there. Um, I often say to clients, you know, once they've booked in with me, stay away from Google. I'm now your Google. If you have a question, send it to me. Do not go on Google because yeah, that and, will lead down a rabbit unlike hole. Go, unlike Google, I'm actually trained in this. Yes, and I'm not going to, you know. You know, you can go on Google and say you have a headache and then all of a sudden you might have a brain tumor. Oh, yeah. Well, so, so stay off Google and just text your doula and she'll she'll point you in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have the resources. And it's like, we're not infallible. If we don't know the answer, we'll find someone who will have the answer That's for the you. That's the next step, we'll yeah. In the right yeah. Direction, if you, if, you, if you don't know, you are text message away from someone who does. Exactly, yeah. Like, we would all have a list of, of contacts and resources that we would use, you know, whether yeah. it's whatever it's whatever it's for and Jackie, it, is it like take somewhere like CUMH yeah. like is it now accepted practice that some people will come into the maternity ward with a doula because yeah. I mean during COVID it was impossible you barely get in there yourself let alone <laughs> with anyone else <laughs> During COVID, it was very difficult. Um, it was very frustrating. All right, we weren't we weren't being allowed in um, pre-COVID, and now again we're allowed in alongside a birth partner. So we're allowed in as a second support person because we are, you know, trained, and we're not there to take over from the midwives at all because we're completely non-medical. Yeah, um, I'll just pause there for a second. That's an important one. Like you're not a midwife. You have no, no medical training at all. No. No, no, okay. no. That was Most my confusion. Have, that was my like, confusion. The usual paediatric first aid courses done, um, but we're completely non-medical, so we don't, we don't check, we don't do internal checks, we don't check blood pressure, we don't check heart rate for the baby, we don't do any of that. That's not our remit at all. We're purely there as informational and emotional and mm. physical in-person support. Mm. Um, I, read a piece in, again, I read a piece in the examiner recently, Jackie, about mm-hmm. a doula that acted as an interpreter that can happen as well Whoa. sometimes. Um, yeah, so so you could have um, families from from other countries that maybe their English isn't great, it's not their first language, or they don't have any English. Um, and the doula would be there as One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. An interpreter, and sometimes it's not necessarily that 
they don't speak any English, but just they might not necessarily understand yeah. what the medical terms are. Yeah. So we can kind of interpret it a little bit or ask that. And, to kind and of if English it. isn't your first language when you're stressed, it certainly isn't. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we, we, we have a wide kind of variation of, of things that we do Um really and it, it just I suppose the support is tailored to suit each family dynamic yeah. so it really just depends on on the couple that you're supporting or the person that you're supporting as to as to exactly how much or how little work needs to be put in or where that work goes you know how, every how did you get into this <laughs> so I I have an almost 12 year old daughter who was born by emergency cesarean section um, in CMH and when she was a year old I met my own doula and I learned about doulas and I thought, gosh, this is amazing. I wish I'd had that on her. And um, when I got pregnant with my second daughter in 2013, I hired my doula and it just was unbelievable. You know, being able to pick up the phone and ask her something. You know, when you come out of the hospital appointments, often you've forgotten to ask something or you didn't know what they meant. And, you know, being able to pick up the phone and ring somebody and say, this came up and I don't really understand. Can you talk it through with me? Or I don't know what to do they're suggesting this and you just need to talk it out it made the it made a huge amount of difference yeah. um do, do you have to have qualifications and is there a register is there a registration body so or something it's, it's no there there isn't a regulating body at the moment um in ireland but um i would always say to clients make sure your doula has training done um, and the majority of doulas that I know would have training done um, and we pride ourselves very highly on being professionals. We would be guarded vetted. As I said, we'd have paediatric first aid. We'd have professional indemnity insurance. We work as self-employed people. Um, there is the doula association, which it's not a governing body, but it is an organisation for doulas and aspiring doulas where we all kind of support each other and we'd follow a code of ethics of practice. Mm. Um and um, I myself work through um, an agency in Ireland as well, mostly um, Doula Care Ireland. And it's the same. We have certain guidelines we have to follow. And if we don't follow those guidelines, they're not going to offer us clients. Um, and in Ireland, a lot of it is word of mouth. Like a lot of my work comes from people who know me, people who've worked with me, midwives in the hospital that know me, some of the home birth midwives that have worked with me, they'd recommend me to clients. Okay. So obviously I'm not going to put myself in a position where yeah. my public image is, is bad mouthed because it means I won't get the work. Here, here so, comes the difficult question. Is it expensive? And is it covered um, by insurance? Some is covered by insurance. Um, with Irish Life Health, you can, de- you can, depending on your policy, you can get some postpartum support provided. Um, and I think some of the insurance companies do a discount on the birth doula support. Um, is it expensive? I suppose that depends on your view of what you're paying for. So um, my fee in general would be between 1,200 and 1,400 euro for right. birth support. Right. Um, but when you think about the work that we put in with researching and the hours we spend with clients, like we do antenatals with clients that could be three or four hours. Um, okay. You could, you could attend a labour that's 24 hours long and you're with them for that 24 hours. Okay. okay. So if you break it down that way, you you might earn less than minimum wage per hour. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if you think about what people spend on a wedding, which is another important day yeah. of your life, yeah. 
you know, you no, can no, send her. No, no, I wasn't. I didn't mean to be awkward. I'm just wondering. Oh no, not at all. In terms no, of, and I guess question. the way you make the point, if you want, if you if you're going to be someone's doula for the birth process, like that, yeah. that's that's not something that's over in an afternoon most of the time. You it's know, there's not. there's a lot of and work there. There is, and we're on call for five weeks of their pregnancy. We go on call at 37 weeks, and we right. stay on call till baby arrives, which is potentially five weeks. So that's five weeks where we don't travel more than maybe two hours from our clients. We have to have our own lives ready to put on hold at a moment's notice. Okay. And most, most labours and most babies happen at night. So my husband is very used to me nudging him at two or three in the morning saying, I'm going to work. And he knows I won't be contactable like until I come home. So yes. it's a see you when I see you situation. Yeah, <laughs> you, know? Yeah, yeah, that, you know what, that's... that's that's a big commitment, and out of that, you've you've got to pay your own tax and your own PRSA out of all that as well. So you do, yeah, you do your own your own thing. Doula, doula Ireland. Ie is a website where people might start. Yeah, yeah, that one or doula.ie is the doula association as well. Um, those two websites would have a lot of information about doulas, what we do. You'd be able to see lots of the doulas around the country and their personal profiles. Um, some of us have different skills as well. They might be. Um, uh, gentle birth instructors which is a type of antenatal program or like myself I'm a breastfeeding counsellor as well right. um, we'd have our own personal experiences too um, so for myself because my first was a cesarean and my second two daughters were vaginal births I have a particular interest in people who want to get, have a vaginal birth after cesarean yeah. so I get a lot of clients with that um, because it's something that I'm I'm very passionate about about yeah. supporting women in, in that Um and that's, that's how I got into doula work. That's what led me here. When I had my own doula for my second daughter, it was just, I was like, this is amazing. Why mm. why isn't everybody having this? This support is just unparalleled. And, and for Jackie, my husband la- lastly, well. Yeah, lastly, would you, would you be involved in many home births? I know recently there was some controversy about the HSE <laughs> would prefer you to be within a certain distance of a hospital to have a home birth. <laughs> that's that's as, as may be, but but would a doula be particularly useful in a home birth situation? Absolutely. Um, I just, like, I think you can never have too much support. Um, and I know the home birth midwives love seeing us come in because we're an extra pair of hands. They know that we're going to help the woman, you know, and make things calmer, make things easier. Things will often run smoothly. Um, and we, I suppose we would go earlier than a home birth midwife might go like she might call over when when a woman says things are happening she might kind of do the checks make sure baby's okay but if she thinks it's early labor she'd be like well i'll come back again in six or seven hours and see how you are ring me if you need anything when you come you're there we come we're there if the if the family wants us to stay we don't go away again unless they're okay with us and it is very very early or things stop again do you know um jackie good to talk with you if anyone has used the services of a doula Love to hear from you. What difference did it make? Particularly if you used a doula on one birth and hadn't used a doula on a previous birth. I'd like to know what the difference was. And if you'd be tempted to use a doula based on my conversation with Jackie. Anybody? Let us. What was it like? What, what was the experience like of using it? Like I said, I had no idea what a doula was until I chatted. I'd heard the word. I thought it was actually a kind of a midwife. Nothing to do with midwifery that ever was bunch of stuff. I must get to them. I have loads of different comments on different topics of conversation. I promise I'll come back to them. Do you know the one way to make sure that we don't forget your comment or that you don't miss your comment or if you haven't got time to hang around, pop it on a voice message to us. 
at 083 396 96 96. In the minute or so you'd spend typing it, you'd have it voiced into WhatsApp and pop it into us and we'd love to get them. I'll come back to those. 0818969696. Now, Courtney Kardashian. God forgive me for even mentioning the K word on the opinion line. The Kardashianization of the world. It's gone full circle. She made headlines recently for comments about clean eating and the diet that her family follows. Clean eating is another one of these fads. Uh, that developed over the last number of years. And and experts at places like BodyWise want us to stop using the term clean eating. Um, Ellen Jennings is their communications officer at BodyWise. Ellen, morning. Why do you want people to stop using that term clean eating? Morning, PJ. Thanks for having me on. Delighted. Um, I suppose when we think of um, words like that, when we say clean, that's kind of... Uh, suggesting that there's something maybe unclean or dirty about another type of food. And that that's that kind of good or bad moral value that people can place on food. And, you know, when we think of eating disorders, they're very complex mental health conditions. And part of that is this thinking around food that's very black and white. There's no gray area. So in thinking in that way, the person has lots of rules around food and what they can and can't have. And so when we use vocabulary like clean eating um, or good or bad, it can encourage that black and white thinking. It can be really unhelpful mm. for people who are vulnerable to coping in this way. It's funny, talking to people about nutrition on the programme, I've noticed that of late, that we shouldn't class food or nutrition as good and bad. We should do everything in, in, in a balance. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, like I suppose when we think of an eating disorder, there's something that we talk about called the eating disorder voice. And that's not an auditory hallucination, but rather kind of like an inner critic. And I think a lot of people can relate to that inner critic um, that has lots of rules that the person um, kind of should, quote unquote, do and shouldn't, quote unquote, do. Um, And over time, you know, those rules might start out kind of smaller, but the list gets longer and longer kind of as the um, condition develops okay. and, you know, it's that compulsion um, with an eating disorder, it no longer becomes a choice for the person. So they have to listen to those those rules that they've created in and, their mind. And body-wise, you're using a word that I'm not hugely familiar with, Ellen, and that is orthorexia. What's that? So orthorexia nervosa, it's not a formally diagnosable eating disorder, but it's a condition that a lot more people are identifying with. And it involves a preoccupation um, with dietary purity. So in terms of foods that the person perceives to be healthy, quote unquote, and in that it becomes problematic because it becomes a, um, an obsession in a way that can take up a large portion of the person's um, thinking and their lifestyle. So it's this attention to this pure, clean diet and thinking about how the food is prepared becomes, you know, a means of coping for the person with other stresses um, in their life. And that's the same with all eating disorders. It's a coping mechanism for the person. um, And it gives them a a false sense of control over things when other things in their life might feel out of control. Forgive me for oversimplifying this, but here's where I'm coming at it from a point of view of understanding. So anorexia nervosa is where a person refuses or say they cannot eat 
bulimia is, is, is binging and purging, which is another form of it. It sounds to me as if orthorexia is where a person limits their diet so much that they literally are surviving on cabbage leaves and water, as, as an example. I think that's the thing about it. It can be very restrictive in terms of, um, you know, removing certain food groups, maybe. And in that way, it can lead to, you know, nutritional deficiencies. And um, I think it can develop and wavering from this, you know, perfect diet, quote unquote, can lead to more stricter and stricter rules. And then over time, it kind of it limits the diet um, to a huge extent. Sure. So you can start off with what you call clean eating based on watching some celebrity on television and you can end up restricting your diet to a point where it's actually dangerous for you and that's orthorexia. And I think these things happen slowly as well and, you know, um, these types of behaviours can develop over time. So that's why it's so important that, you know, we have early intervention and we recognise kind of the signs that something might not quite be right with our relationship with our body and food. Yeah. The Kardashians and other such major celebrities, they they have a public responsibility, don't they, Ellen, when they have such a massive platform to get it right? Yeah, I think it's so important that people who have a large following are aware of the impact that they can have in the messaging that they put out and that they take responsibility, you know, for the impact that these messaging can have on, you know, young people and people who might be vulnerable to coping in that way and just to be aware of the impact that can have as well. Yeah, she was talking at one point, and I don't know how familiar you are with this, about a thing called a, a panchakarma cleanse which there was absolutely no scientific basis. Apparently, uh, she abstained from sugar, caffeine, exercise and sex in order to increase, uh, to rid rid her body of toxins, which a functioning liver and kidneys will do anyway, and potentially Mm -hmm. increase the success rate of her IVF. That's been debunked by medical professionals. Yeah, I think it's so important that people are... I'm kind of critical of what they see online and check people's credentials and make sure that they have the uh, background to be able to offer advice of any kind online. Does the word detox, lastly, Ellen, does the word detox make people like yourself nervous? Because, as I said, if you've got a functioning liver and kidneys, your body will do most of this for you anyway. Yeah, and I think things like that, um, some people might see that and not pass any heed on it, but there's other people who will really take that very seriously. And if they see messaging that kind of implies that certain food is detoxing, for example, they can take that um, on board very seriously and it becomes another rule for the person. So that's why you know, this type of messaging can be really harmful for some people. Okay. Ellen, good to talk to you. Thank you. Ellen Jennings, communications officer with BodyWise. Clean eating. So it can start off with the best of intentions. Best of intentions. But because of this as yet undiagnosed thing, which they call orthorexia, you can end up literally, you can start off clean eating and eating well and doing the best you can and not eating this and not eating that and you can end up on cabbage leaves and water because you get so obsessed with it thank you Ellen 0818 96 96 96 on doulas that's a brilliant service wouldn't it be great if it was available for everyone dealing with the hospitals yeah um, on drink 
just this one before the break, guys. Morris says, this is following on from Kaleem and following on from Michael yesterday. This country is living for the drink and other addictive substances. Our bottle banks are full to the brim with ever-increasing amounts of drink. High alcohol content like vodka and gin. Situation is out of control. Our government doing everything it can to promote drink and drugs by providing gateway drugs like alcohol and e-cigarettes. There's hardly a place in the country where you can't buy alcohol. You can buy it at any supermarket. The whole section given over it. You can buy it at your local shop. If it has a license to sell it, you can buy it at a filling station when you get your diesel or petrol. And of course you can get it at our dedicated liquor stores called Off Licenses. No wonder so many people are in so much trouble with substances. Thank you, Morris. 0818969696. Access all areas on Corks 96 FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Corks Entertainment. Ham Sandwich have announced the Cypress Avenue show on December 1st in support of their new album Magnify, which is due for release on September 30th. Tickets are on sale now from the Old Oak and cypressavenue.ie. Access all areas. Cork Orchestral Society makes a welcome return with an exciting programme for Autumn and Winter 2022. These include the Pyrrhus Manny Quartet, a star-studded lineup of international musicians led by Cork violinist Mairead Hickey, taking place on Thursday, October 20th at the Curtis Auditorium. Access all areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events or gigs by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. With Cork Culture Night, Cork City. Enjoy free events in over 100 venues on Friday, September 23rd. See culturenightcork.ie. On Cork's 96FM. Tony Colnan, you have an event coming up for the Penny Dinners, which I know you want to tell me about, and I look forward to helping you to get that out there. But you contacted us about a worry to do with Aer Lingus staff. Now, you're into the aviation. We've talked about it before. You're worried about Aer Lingus staff having to move to Belfast. Morning. Morning, PJ. What have you been hearing? Because it, it, it did come up in the Doyle, but there was no actual mention of Cork staff. Well, what's actually happened was they've reduced the services out of Cork yeah. and they put them into Dublin in Belfast. Right. Like, if you want to fly to Birmingham today, you can't fly. There's a flight Monday, Wednesday and Friday. Conducted by Ryanair. Right. Three days a week. When Aer Lingus had the route, it was three flights per day. Right. You can't fly to Amsterdam or Aer Lingus at the moment. It's done by KLM. If you want to go to Paris, it's done by Air France. Well, are they not partner airlines in this one group? Well, they're all belong to the IAG group as such. Yeah. But they're not our national airline anymore. The government sold it off in 2018. In fact, they didn't sell it. They gave it away for 1.3 billion. Yes. Just not in Heathrow. Amsterdam, Paris, Boston, and New York will work more than what they got for the company. I see, I see. So you're, you're, you're concerned about staff that would be presently based in Cork that to keep their jobs they'd have to move? They moved to Belfast. The last of them had to move to Dublin and Belfast and pay exorbitant uh, rents. Right. Huh. Well, well, in Belfast, they're, they pay less to rent in Belfast than they would down here, but that's yeah, but by the mind. They're just five, six hours away from Cork. You are, you are, you are, you are. You know, and like we still haven't a Cork to Dublin service. We still haven't got a Cork to Belfast service, which to me, it's a no brainer, PJ. I think, like, Tony, you and I have long since given up on Cork to Dublin ever coming back, to be fair. I'm not, PJ, I haven't given up. I'm going to tell you today, I have not given up. Right. 
I, it's the powers to be won't allow it to happen for some particular reason. Mm. Like ten million is not a huge amount of money. Yeah, we, to set up. we talked We talked about that before, you and I, you figured that it would take an investment of about 10 million to get it started again and about how attractive it would be. And I can never understand the idea of not using Dublin as a major hub. So if you had Cork, Dublin, you have this massive transatlantic and trans-European yes. and trans-global hub out of Dublin. Yes, and like at the moment, the coach is taking approximately three and a half hours from Cork yes. to the airport in Dublin. Would fly us. Would fly us in thirty minutes. You would. You, you did in twenty in and, 20, and twenty-five minutes. Yeah, you, put your, you know, you put your bag in the car, and if yeah. you're going to Dubai, like when we were setting up the airline industry, we were after speaking to the Emirates who were going to use our service that you could book car to Dubai. Yes, yes, it was a huge, I, it was a huge uh, advantage to people travelling. Airline was going to look at using our service between Cork and Dublin, and if it had worked out, you could book Cork to Boston or Cork to New York. Yeah. A quick transfer in Dublin, and your bags would but go straight bags through. Go straight over. Yeah, 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 which would have been a great idea. Look, you, you, I know you hold out hope that it'll work, it'll happen again one day. It would, it would be great to see. Tell me, and you'd be worried for the staff. If if any staff in Cork Airport are affected by it, they can let us know. Tony, you're doing something very kind for Pendy Dinners. Tell me about yeah. it. On the 11th of November, we're running a night in the Metropole Hotel. Okay. Friday the 11th of November, Clannair, the ballad group. Yes. The Penny Dinners High Hope Choir and the Joe Dolan Tribute Experience. We're, we're doing all the proceeds are going to Penny Dinners. I think they're a brilliant charity. I think they're not being supported enough by, by the government, I think, mainly. So we're hoping to raise a couple of grand if we can on the night. Tickets are 10 euros each and okay. everybody is welcome. Right, right, and you, you were you were primed to do it, as it were, when you saw just how busy the. That's why I, I was up there with Katrina, and I couldn't believe most people yeah. looking for support and help. It's it, it, I couldn't. I, I was stunned. I was absolutely stunned. Yeah. Yeah. Just double that is def, that is the Metropole on the eleventh, yeah. The Metropole on the eleventh, they gave us the ballroom in the Metropole on the eleventh of November. On the eleventh of November, right. PJ Furlong, you might come along. You never know. Might well do that. Tony, thank you. Tony Cullinan, uh, always interested in what's happening at and around the airport. Thank you, Tony. And that's a nice event. It'll be a nice event, the 11th of November, in aid of Penny Dinners. 0818 96 96 96. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96 FM. Upper Glanmire Community Association presents its Family Fun Day on Sunday, the 25th of September. There'll be games like tug of war and sack races, a children's art competition, vintage cars, fun fair rides, the Upper Glanmire Bake Off, and much, much more. For more details on the event, check out Upper Glanmire Community Association on Facebook. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary. With Tusla Fostering. Now seeking foster carers from a diverse range of backgrounds in Cork. See fostering.ie. On Cork's 96fm. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818-969696. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Good to see this weather holding. A gorgeous weekend down west. It was down west Cork for the weekend. Stunning weekend of weather. You could be forgiven for thinking it was still July at times. And then... 
it's not hot at all, but these lovely conditions look like staying with us, with the exception of maybe Thursday of this week and next Monday. It looks like we've got a fairly decent run of weather until about next Tuesday, which is nice for late September. 0818969696. The number of the text to WhatsApp is 0833969696. The email, opinion at 96fm.ie. A lot of reaction on social media and in general to that terrible video we saw last night from Cherry Orchard in Dublin of a Garda car just being rammed by thugs. Some news sites that should remain nameless playing it down and talk about a car being driven erratically. No, it wasn't driven erratically. Look at the bloody video. They drove straight into the squad car to the baying lunatics shouting them on from the sides. The Association of Garda Sergeants and Inspectors have said this morning it condemns it and very concerned for the safety of members and other officers and also Minister for Justice Helen McEntee has condemned it this morning. Mags says it serves to reinforce the dangers faced by our Gardaí every single day and as for the decent residents having to put up with it wouldn't your heart go out to them? Ain't that the truth, Mags? I was horrified when I saw the video coming through last night on my social media and I'm thinking, please tell me it's not Cork. Now, at least after about 30 seconds, I realise it isn't. But imagine that happening down up the road from us here. 0818 96 96 96. Your thoughts welcome on that as indeed anything else. Culture Night is Friday. And loads of different events on, hundreds of them in fact, and of course Cork's 96 have been proud to be partners with uh, Culture Night. And to celebrate, they've done a survey, savemyday.ie, have surveyed Ireland's top cultural wedding venues. And a number of them are in Cork, cultural wedding venues, like places of culture and history and folklore, etc., etc., that you can go and get married I'm joined by uh, Michelle Holden of SaveMyDay.ie. Hi, Michelle. How are you doing? Hi, PJ. Thanks, Mel, for having me on. Delighted. The, the three that come up in Cork, we'll get to them in a second. But I swear, a wedding is the most special day of, of anybody's life. And, and a special venue can add to it. And since the law changed, we can have all these lovely venues now. A unique venue makes for a unique celebration, doesn't it? It does. So at SaveMyDay.ie, you know, we're all about showcasing unique and amazing wedding venues across the country. So what we have found is that there is a growing trend of uh, to-be-weds who want to do things differently and they want to put their own stamp on their big day. So a lot of people are looking for non-traditional venues or also traditional venues that offer kind of interesting or alternative features. So you can now get married in the likes of a distillery (laughs) or a barn, an eco-retreat or a glamping village, and the likes of cultural uh, venues, um, which is what we are shining a spotlight on this week um, in the lead up to Culture Night. And what do we mean by cultural venues? These include the likes of arts and cultural centres, exhibition spaces, uh, history and heritage property properties. And there's also an array of different museums that you can tie the knot in uh, across the country. Yeah. Now, I guess, checking out your venue, would it be difficult for a bride or a groom, say, to check out their venue? Would there be more restrictions if it's a cultural space like a church or museum or something that you want to use? 
No, in, in terms of arranging to view, um, you know, that, that's very straightforward. You know, you can reach out directly to any of the venues on our platform. Um, but in terms of restrictions, um, so that's going to depend on the venue. So what you can do within it. So the likes of cultural venues like arts and cultural centres, they usually offer, say, more of like a blank canvas and are a bit more flexible um, if you want to add any kind of creative decoration. Um, but if you're working with the likes of a historic protected building, um, then there might be some restrictions. So, for example, you might not be able to put draping on the wall or do like festoon or bunting. Yeah. Um, but the same applies, you know, for country houses, castles, manors, you know, kind of well-preserved buildings. Um, so it really is up to your style. You know, yeah. um, and, and to be honest with you, usually if you want to, you know, have it in a historic building, you don't necessarily want to cover up, <laughs> cover up the walls. You kind of want to showcase them throughout your day. That's true. Now, the list has three places in Cork on it. St. Peter's in North mm-hmm. Main Street, the Mall in Yall, the Mall Arts Centre, and Fota House Arboretum and Gardens in, in Fota. Let's start with that one. I mean, there's got to be a hundred different wonderful places to take photographs, for example, in Fota. Oh, yeah. So Fota House and Gardens um, in Fota Island, like it's a truly spectacular estate. So obviously it has the um, the the house itself, which is our, one of Ireland's finest examples of Regency period architecture. But they also have amazing Victorian working gardens. So what they offer is you can have an indoor wedding ceremony, drinks reception or kind of a smaller intimate dinner within the house. Or if you want to have a bigger celebration, there are marquee options as well for outside on their gardens. So it's a truly spectacular um, venue and it is an Irish Heritage Trust property. Yeah, the, pho- the photography options are fantastic. Now, I'm not particularly familiar with the Mal Arts Centre in Yall, though. Take me through that. So uh, the Old Mart's, uh, Mall Arts Centre, so that's a 230-year-old Riverside Arts venue. So <laughs> we're talking about a lot of history there. Um, and this really is a beautiful setting for civil ceremonies. Um, but what we really, really liked is it also offers a lovely backdrop, waterside backdrop yeah. for wedding photography as well. Yeah, down there by the water, be absolutely lovely. And of course, all of these places come with uh, civil ceremony licenses a lot of a lot of venues just have them anyway you just i guess to inquire st peter's now that's very popular and people a lot of people have been getting married there for a number of years st peter's on north main street yeah so um st peter's in cork you know what we would consider it is it's not only one of the city's most i suppose atmospheric and historic venues um, but also what we love it's a blend of the old and new yeah. so um, it's Cork's oldest church um, which we've been told that um, and parts of the building date back to the 12th century but also they've refurbished it into this kind of modern bright open cultural space where couples can put their own stamp so it's a lovely blend of you're in a beautiful historic building and backdrop but then you also have the freedom to do whatever you well to a degree whatever you want to do within that open modern space within yeah you can talk to them about what you need to do sometimes i guess if people want to rent a venue like this there'd be a sense that there's more work in it that you have to organize your own catering and all of that are there packages that people can book? Yeah. yeah so j- just on the point of, you know, is it going to be more work? I suppose 
any venue is going to have its own specific offerings, you know, and it's going to appeal to to couples in different ways. So, um, and as I said, like there is this growing trend of couples wanting to put their own stamp on their on their wedding. So at the likes of um, St. Peter's and the Mall Arts Centre, um, these are a brilliant fit for couples who want to get involved in the planning and truly make it their own day. Um, so, for example, at St. Peter's, um, couples can work with their own preferred vendors and suppliers um, on catering and entertainment. But then they also have the support of the venue in how they would like the space set up and decorated. Um, but we do know that there's people out there, there's brides and grooms that would like kind of more of the assistance of a wedding team and kind of brought through all the different stages. And that's where the likes of, say, Photo House would be great. Um, so they have a dedicated wedding team on offer there. They bring you to each of the steps of planning. They have their own uh, catering partners, their own marquee partners, and um, they will like guide you through the process. Excellent. Okay. And it's increasingly popular to take a space like this. Shell, thank you very much. That's Michelle Holden, co-owner of SaveMyDay.ie, and they compiled that list of spaces. Do you know what? I don't like that word. That's not there to blame. I just don't. Everything is a space now. Can it just be a room or a venue or a place? It's all space now. Did Dermot Bannon start that? he walks into a kitchen. And, oh, what a fantastic space. No, Dermot, it's a kitchen. What a space. No. I, I don't mind me. I'm going off on one. We've become using the word space for room and place. And <laughs> Thank you, Michelle. 0818 96 96 96. What have you found in your child's mouth? You know, when they're small, morning boys, young lads took a Jay's toilet block out of the loo and uh, was munching on it for two minutes before we spotted it. Our one went through a ladybird eating phase. I came home and found my husband asleep on the couch and my two and a half year old face down in the cat's litter box. <laughs> Hang on a second now. If I came home and I saw one of my children with the legs of a daddy long legs yeah. hanging out of their mouth, the child would be on done deal within the hour. <laughs> Gone. Casey and Ross in the morning with no DC Cars Blackpool exclusively Skoda in the city find your next car online at noldc.com open 24-7 over the next few days half of rural Ireland and if they're honest an awful lot of non-rural Ireland will descend on the ploughing I've been there a couple of times. I was at it when it was in Mogili and I was at it when it was in Castletown Roach and I was at it once when it was up uh, in County Carlow. I can't remember the exact name of the venue there. I'm covering it for news. And it is the best crack you can have. Um, it really is. It's enormous. You only realise the size of the ploughing when you're standing in the middle of it. Like, they're even telling people now that are going there this week, turn off the sat-nav and follow the guard the directions. That's how organised you need to be to get there. Uh, but it could be a great place to meet someone. Like, couldn't it? Like, if you're single and a farmer and, you know, you'll be in 300,000 people, you know, 300,000 agricultural-type folk and curious agricultural-type folk at this one place in the middle of Ireland for three whole days. And it's brilliant. So maybe it could be a place to find 
Love. So, Maureen Lockman, uh, the farmer wants a wife. Maureen is headed for the ploughing. Uh, good morning. Good morning. How are you keeping? Good, good, good. You are. You expect to be quite busy up there. I absolutely do, especially after two years of a break. The Ploughing Championships is always very busy for me. I'm a professional matchmaker. I also do the Farmer Wants a Wife because I realised when I started doing matchmaking professionally that there were so many farmers that wanted to find love and how difficult it was. And I also found there was a lot of women and obviously men, gay men as well, that wanted to meet farmers. So, yes, I set up a thing called The Farmer Wants a Wife as well as my matchmaking and I go down to the ploughing every year. But, of course, the ploughing hasn't been there for the last two years. So this year, I am pretty sure it's going to be very busy. Why is it that farmers sometimes find it so difficult to find partners? Well, first of all, they tend to work a lot with men. So, you know, they don't have... like Dating really is the more people you get to meet, the better the chances of finding love. So anybody that works in a male-dominated industry, or I have the same with nurses and teachers, that it's mainly, you know, women that work in that industry, they find it quite difficult to meet someone of the opposite sex. So therefore, that's first of all. Second of all, then, um, a lot of them work very hard in the evenings. Of course, they just want to sit down and put their feet up. Um, And, you know, even if they were to go on to, obviously, because the new way of dating now is very much online as well, if they do online dating and they set their radius to 20, 30 kilometres, they might only have 20, 30 options, you know, and they'll be finished swiping very, very quickly. Whereas if you were to go into the middle of Dublin city centre or Cork city centre there and put your radius to 10, 20 kilometres, you might have a couple of hundred people to be swiping at any given evening. So, you know, it's very difficult as well when they do socialise, they tend to socialise in very much the same places. And, uh, you know, all of those things are not really aligned to finding love. It's a tough old life as well. Long hours, not Mm -hmm. necessarily that many holidays. Like you've got to get up at six o'clock Christmas morning because the cows don't know what day of the week it is. They still need to get milk and all that kind of carry on. It's, It's not the easiest life to get into. So do, if you want, do agricultural people, Moirad, tend to marry their own, as it were? There's two very different strands there, okay? So I guess a lot of people that'll come to me and say, yeah, I'd be open to meeting a farmer and from a country background myself. And then there's others that are like, no, I grew up in a farm and whatever you do, do not introduce me to a farmer. <laughs> so there's two very different strands. I think very often it depends on how much people like their holidays is a good start. Um, but, you know, it, it all depends. Like country lifestyle and farming is actually a lovely lifestyle. So it is, you know, what's better than the lovely clean air? You don't have the stresses of driving in and out of Dublin or in and out of Cork or in and out of Galway, you know, on a daily basis. The pace is a little bit friendlier to, to life, you would think anyway, in most cases. Um, also, it's a nice a nice way to raise children, especially for anybody that are looking to have a family. So I would say absolutely. I've dated farmers down through the years. I've always enjoyed it. It wasn't farming were the reasons we broke up down through the years. But, uh, you know, what I would say is it is a lovely lifestyle, um, but it is something you have to want. You know, um, it is a lifestyle. It's not a job. And yeah. so for a lot of people, it is getting up in the middle of the night during calving, lambing and silage is coming in. And actually, you know, I've been in the Farmer's Journal, that's farming, Agriland, all of those things, giving um, dating advice to farmers. But one of them is, I always say, just prepare your partner 
or how busy and unpredictable is the word we need to remind them of. It can be, you know, you could be say to them, look, it's seven o'clock on a Saturday evening. We're going to go out for a bite to eat and have some drinks. And next thing, calving, lambing, silage, you know, the guy that's doing your silage or the lads, they're they're only coming around because they they got a spell of weather the weather there you know and so it can be unpredictable around those times so I do say to farmers let your partner know that it is going to yeah. be unpredictable a, maybe have an, a a holiday or a night away or a weekend away organized mm. two or three weeks afterwards just to soften it all up and say look we're going away now in a few weeks you know <laughs> so it so, does have to be managed sounds to be a bit like being married to someone who works in the media married yeah <laughs> um. In the years you've been going to the ploughing and do I mean, have you had to buy a new hat? I have. I actually had to buy a new hat only two weeks ago. Really? Down in a dare. Yeah, I was on a farm a farm wedding. So we passed Adair Castle, went to the church, went down then, all the boreens down and a couple that I matched, I'd say it's in 2019. They had since, in the meantime, they were busy during lockdowns, but they had two children during lockdown. They had their... their um, they were certainly the busy during farm. lockdowns. <laughs> they were, but you know what? They're the loveliest people. And it was a breath of fresh air, you know, yeah. um, down on the farm, they actually, the marquee looked out on the dairy cows. And I just thought, like, that just shows how pivotal farming is to their life and their lifestyle. They're proud of what they do. And it is a lovely industry. You know, it really is. Um, but, I'm, you know, it's not just straight couples we look after. We're also looking for gay farmers. I've seen a huge increase in the amount of gay farmers coming okay. to me. They would like to meet somebody as well. Um and, you know, at Love HQ, everybody's welcome. So it doesn't matter. Like, it's not just farmers. It's not just straight people. It's not just any age or anything like that. Everybody is welcome. If you would like to find love, yeah. love is, is love. Anybody is welcome at Love HQ. Lastly, Ari, before I, I mentioned it before I brought you on, and I ask you the same thing. It is the case, isn't it, that until you've been to the ploughing, you really have no idea just how enormous this thing is and how much fun it is. I would absolutely recommend if you've never been to the ploughing, just hop in your car and head up there today, tomorrow or Thursday. I am not from a country background, but I will say my my grandparents were uh, farmers and there's something there for everybody, whether it's you want to do a little bit of shopping, whether you're into artisan food producers, whether you are into machinery and maybe not the farming end, but the actual machinery part, part of it. If you are into animals, anything, it is a great day out. It's a great family day out um, for the it's open again for the last, you know, being closed for the last two years. I would 100 percent recommend if you have not been at the plant head down there over That's the next wonderful. few days. And lovehq.ie for more details on Moraid's dating and matchmaking and all that. Her podcast called Would Like to Meet and the Farmer Wants a Wife. Thanks, Maureen. Have a good couple of days. 0818 969696. And one thing, <laughs> anytime I went to, to, to the, to the, the plowing, you come back a stone heavier because they feed you at every hand's turn and they'd be food everywhere. And you can buy stuff, like you can buy anything from, I mean this, I'm not joking you, and anyone who's ever been to the ploughing will back me up on this. You can buy anything from a pot of jam, a pot of gorgeous homemade jam, to a tractor. I mean it, a pot of jam, to literally. And you can drive the tractor home from the ploughing. Just like and bring the jam in your... Thank. 0818969696. Thanks, Maureen. Let me tell you, these couple of days before we unveil our next big way to win on Cox 96 FM, they're a bit of a nightmare for those poor, us poor mortals who are on the radio doing a job because we get stopped. What is it, lads? What is it? We don't know. 
None of us will be told until we're told. But all we know is it's huge. Big giveaway coming. The next big way to win. Huge way to win coming on Cork's 96. And we can't wait to tell you. Before they, well, when they tell us, we'll tell you. Right? We're counting down to the next big way to win. All they'll tell you is you have to get ready for the ultimate superstar experience. And stay listening for more. Coming soon on Cork's 96 FM. But right now, if you see me down at the shop, I don't know. <laughs> 0818 This came in earlier on to do with the minimum wage. And I'll pop it out there and see what you think of it. It's, it's a very well thought out message. If John was on 10 euro an hour and Peter was on 11 euro an hour and Mick was on 12 euro an hour, etc., etc. If you increase the minimum wage by 1 euro an hour, then you increase everyone's wage by the same 10%. Therefore, we all have to pay the government 10% more in tax and 10% more for the cost of living. So the only people profiting from a minimum wage increase is the government. It's hard to be hopeful when we're taken for fools. The minimum wage is to go up, is it to 11.30 would be the next rate from the 1st of January, 11.30 and this message is arguing that all that comes out of that is that the government takes in more tax. Now I know the tax system is designed in such a way, and I use that with big, large inverted commas, designed in such a way that people on a minimum wage pay very little, if any, tax. Still, though, it's got a point. The man's got a point. On prices, with regard to the price of energy and gas and electric, Tom says, what's really annoying me is we could service the whole of Europe with our own resources out of Barry Row and leave Putin go to hell. If one more person says that, and it's so true, this Barry Row field could keep us going for years and we could sell the stuff for years. But we just can't get licenses to get at it. Thank you, Tom. On the TDs getting harassed, um, and the context of this is that the cabinets will be deciding today to give the ministers back their state cars. All of them will now get state cars and the result of it are the reason for that is because Drew Harris, the guy, the commissioner, has security concerns about the safety of ministers. And, and I drew into that what happened to a couple of TDs last week was Paul Murphy, I think, and Breed Smith was Breed Smith. Manhandled is the word outside of the doll by a small but very loud group of people and it was very nasty they cornered them into the doorway of Buswell's hotel there and I know I'd certainly have been terrified and Paul Murphy in fairness to him kept his cool and so too did Breed Smith they, they kept their cool through the whole thing it was, it was horrible absolutely horrible um, Mick in Ballyfaham was on saying PJ's talking about the people getting harassed like Paul Murphy TD the only reason they're being treated like that is because they're not doing their job of representing the people. If they were addressing the problems that people have and solving them, or some of them anyway, people would be, would be bringing them into their local and buying them points. I'd hope, Mick, I'd hope now, and I think I know you better than this, I hope you're not saying it's okay to do what happened 
to those two TDs last week. I hope that's not what you're saying. 0818 96 96 96 on the ministerial car. Will state cars then be big diesel guzzlers? And will Eamon Ryan get an electric tandem? <laughs> will Eamon Ryan get an electric tandem? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, what kind of cars will they be? Will they be big gas guzzlers? Will they be hybrids? Will they be electrics? What will they be? Big gas guzzlers, probably not a good idea in, in the current climate. Then you see hybrids. Hybrids work. Hybrids are great. But are they... I don't know. I just don't know what to say. 0818 96 96 96. Your thoughts on any of that? Welcome. Here's one. This came in earlier on and it gave me an idea for something we might do throughout the week. I'll chat with Fiona and Fergal about this after the show. Just had a bit of an idea. Um... Someone rang up and said, I now cut bottles of moisturiser in two as I come towards the end because there's loads left when you think there isn't and you can get at it that way by cutting the tube and getting at it. And Fiona's saying she does that same same herself. Did it with her hand cream this morning. <laughs> there she's gotten outside, cut in half, look. Hand cream cut in half. I hope now you did it. You don't wrap it up so it doesn't spill in the handbag because you'll be giving out. Just give me an idea. This is Tuesday. Just give me a little idea for Friday. Something mad we might do on Friday. Uh, With you. I'd need you, listeners. I'd need people to interact with me on this one. Something we might do for Friday. Um, I'll come back to it. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96FM. Now, school children are to plant yellow crocuses uh, to remember children who died during the Holocaust. This is a Holocaust Education Ireland project. Uh, Megan Rowland is their programme manager. Hi, Megan. Hi, PJ. How are you getting on? Good. Tell me about this. The the significance of the crocus is what? So I suppose the crocus project started back in 2005 to mark the establishment of Holocaust Education Ireland. And I suppose the significance of the crocus is it's a yellow bulb. So when school children from fifth and sixth class all the way up through secondary school plant the crocuses, and when they bloom around the time of Holocaust Remembrance Day in January, um, they remembered the stars of David that Jewish people were forced to wear under Nazi rule. Um, so when people admire those yellow flowers, um, young people and children explain what they represent. So it's a really tangible way of introducing the Holocaust and a quite a difficult subject to young people. And it's a, it's a, a nice way for teachers to kind of convey that in mm. the classroom. Of course, the crocus is a kind of a winter plant. So is there a significance in that? Yeah, so the crocus is quite resilient. So it's planted around the time of the end of October, the start of November. Um, and it, it's really lovely to see it coming up um, at the end of January when not when not too many other other flowers are blooming. And when the, you see them peeking through around the time of Holocaust Remembrance Day, it really is a nice, a nice symbol for, for young people and people of all ages, I suppose. Yeah, some people look at the crocus and other little hardy plants like that as yeah, being well, yeah, the early signs, resilient. the early signs of spring and early signs of res- resilience. So, your project is getting as many seeds and plants around to as many schools as possible. 
Yeah, that's essentially it. So I suppose when we started, you know, we had around 100 schools back in 2005. And last year we had over 500 schools. Um, and so I suppose we're, we're aiming to increase that again. And I suppose we're just appealing to, to, to teachers and parents, youth organisations, community groups, anyone who, who feels like this, this project would, would benefit them to, to get in touch and, and, you know, register for the project. Um, the, the project is, is supported by the Department of Education and the European Union. And, and I suppose it's important to stress that it's a, it's a free initiative. So, so all schools and teachers that register will receive um, free bulbs and a, and a free teacher handbook, which, mm. uh, which is really useful to use in the class. Um, it includes lesson plans and activities and, and a certificate of participation and wall charts. And, and it's a really kind of comprehensive pack mm. that, that, that will guide teachers along the way. And I know you also want youngsters to learn in the class, in the classroom at the same time, yeah. learn at a level, I guess, that they can comprehend about the Holocaust. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's, I suppose it's quite a difficult subject to broach and and I suppose it's, it's taught from about fifth class up. So I suppose striking the right tone based on the age group is really important and that's all kind of laid out in the handbook. Um, but I suppose it really ties into to issues of today, including like racism and hatred and acceptance and respect for everybody. So it, it really ties quite nicely into, into topics that are covered in the classroom today and are very important to in schools and, and with teachers and young people alike. Yeah. In 46 schools in Cork last year. Yeah, yeah, really. I was doing the stats up last week and, and a great take up in Cork. So hoping that we can get even higher this year. Okay, so just one, just go online. Yeah, so you can visit holocausteducationireland.org um, and on the homepage, there's there's a button there for the Crocus project. And once you click in, um, it, it's fairly straightforward then to, to register using an online registration form. Um, and we'll be sending all the all the bulbs and information packs out um, in mid-October in time for planting in November. And I suppose it's important to say as well that the, the, the teacher information pack is available um, in English and it's also available at Osquelga. So any Irish schools are also really welcome to participate and register. Excellent, lovely idea. Uh, that's Megan Rowland. She's Programme Manager at Holocaust Education Trust Ireland. The Crocus Project. They're beautiful little yellow flowers and they flower, they start to come into bud at the end of January, start of February. People often look at them and say, oh look, there's the crocuses up now. That's the first sign of the change in the weather, the change in the seasons. So let's plant them and then at the end of the year, at the end of January rather, we will remember the Holocaust because Holocaust Memorial Day is the 27th January and it's around then that they start to break through. Yeah, Holocaust Education Trust Ireland, you'll find all the details there. 46 Cork schools they had last year and they're hoping to get more this year. 0818 96 96 96 on the economising. I'm the same, says Mags. I cut moisturising bottles in half to get every last drop out of them. And then I stick cotton buds into a makeup bottle to do the same. There's always loads at the end of the bottle. I, I, yeah, I definitely have this idea in, in my in my, um, in my my head for Friday. Uh, John says, wasn't Paul Murphy the guy shouting over a megaphone, will we let her go? Now he's whining over a bit of harassment. Sauce for the goose is sauce for the gander. No, John. No. Yes, Paul Murphy was involved in the notorious Jobstown situation a couple of years ago with Joan Borton. Yes, he was. But no. Sauce for the goose is not sauce for the gander, John. 
No, I'm sorry. We'll never agree on that, mate. 0818 96 96 96. The big giveaway. No, the big giveaway. No, the big giveaway is not a dirty weekend with Marty Morrissey in Banner Beach. <laughs> uh, nearly three years ago, I will let you hear this story in full tomorrow. But nearly three years ago now, I spoke with Rose Jones. I visited Rose at her home um, to tell me about the situation in which she was living. And Rose has a daughter, Tricia, who has cerebral palsy and therefore certain physical needs as a result. And Rose was trying to get moved out of the house where she was located. And that's nearly three years ago. A reminder of that conversation. What it is, is there's an, an awful lot of obstacles in her way in the house. Now, I am very worried and concerned for my daughter. Mm. I have asked numerous TDs, councillors, and I actually got onto Dublin to ministers for help. Now, I've been told, basically, to paddle my own canoe and keep bringing Cork City Council every other day. Mm. You, you've shown me letters. You've shown me files. You've shared confidences with me, which I appreciate and I won't share with anybody else. But according to solicitors, more than one, that house is completely unsuitable for you and your children. That's correct. There's no facilities there for Tricia to take care of herself, for her to become a young woman, to take care of herself because no one's going to live forever. And I want her, Tricia especially, to get her education and be able to take care of herself in years to come when I'm not there to do it because I won't be here forever. So that's me talking to Rose Jones nearly three years ago. I may tell you now, Rose contacted us again in the last week or ten days and I have been to see her again and I'll let you hear that follow-on story tomorrow. The big giveaway is meeting Garth Brooks in Nashville. No! <laughs> Well, I don't think it is. Actually, can I recommend to you, there's a brilliant two-part documentary on Netflix at the moment about Garth Brooks. It's about two, you'd want three hours. It's about two hour, 20, hour, 25 minute documentaries about his career and his life and his family and his home place and his dad. And it's brilliant, actually. I watched it Sunday evening. I didn't get to see him in Croke Park um, and I'm kind of sorry I didn't now because of the, the, the those um, those documentaries on Netflix at the moment. Doesn't he read at the weekend? He wants to come back and do do an Ed Sheeran on it, do Cork and Dublin and Belfast and maybe the Industrial Hall in Tonakilty if it's still open. Thank you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I was going to say there about that song. It's like one of these songs that chases you around Spotify. I'll come back to this tomorrow. I'm going to keep this. Brendan O'Connor was writing in the Sunday Independent, and I read this, and I nodded along with it because I'm a big user of Spotify. I, I love my Spotify. I have my own big playlist. Shameless plug time. My big playlist is called PJ Coogan's Glory Days, and there's nearly 4,000 songs in it now. I just run it like my own music service at home or in the car or wherever. But Brendan was writing about how Spotify decides that you're going to like a particular song and chases you with it. Uh, Even if it's one that you've never heard of or you don't think you're going to like, 
Spotify will pick a song and chase you with it and for <laughs> I'll come back to it tomorrow he's not wrong actually I've noticed it once or twice remind me to talk about that one again tomorrow 0818 I, I John I think he's coming back looking to debate me over whether it's okay to harass um, politicians in the street the way Paul Murphy was harassed outside um, or anybody else not just anybody not anybody harassed outside Leinster House it'll never be okay John sorry it'll never be okay uh, we're going to and we're going to talk to him about it tomorrow so thank you good man and that's it the programme edited by Fiona Corcoran produced and researched by Fergal Barry see you tomorrow just after nine the two grand minute listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day answer 10 questions to claim all that cash stacking up the cash 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 the two grand minute on Casey and Ross in the morning Cork's 96 FM hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.